because so many of our staff are away, um, Jim is away today, but uh, he has invited Ronnie Brewer to come and to speak for us today. And, and I know Ronnie from uh, my days up in Huntsville, uh, when I was ministering there in a church, uh, he was also kind of across town on the other side at Trinity uh, Baptist Church in Madison. Uh, Ronnie, how long were you there? Two stops, four, uh, 14 years with two stops. Yeah. That's great. Ronnie has also uh, been a uh, campus minister at the University of Alabama. He's pastored uh, churches in uh, Virginia as well. And that's where he recently has retired. He is suffering now. He and his wife are suffering now for the Lord in Destin, Florida. Um, So pray for them. but uh, we are really great. Uh, it's really great to have you guys with us today. And we look forward to you coming in a moment and sharing uh, from the Word of God. Our scripture reading today can be found in your Pew Bible on page 788. It's Acts 20, verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, We gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking unto midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well and everyone was greatly relieved. This is the word of the Lord. I was glad when Jim invited me to come to Brookwood. We are in Destin, Florida. That secret's out now, and we planned retirement at this age that we are now. Janet is with me. I won't tell our age, but it's good age. I've been someone's minister for 41 years, so it just seemed like a good thing. But we hope in our, one of my dreams in our retirement is that we'll be doing some interim pastorates and helping churches in that way, and that'll be fun for us. But when Jim called and said, you know, you want to fill in for me, he said, now, I know you live in Destin, it's a long way to come, and blah, 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 but I know your grandson lives here in Birmingham. And I said, yes, I'd love to come to Brookwood. And he said, you know, it's going to feel like the Lord came and left you behind because we've got about 40 people out on mission trip I thought how wonderful is that so thank you for letting me come this morning I'm delighted to speak with you I hope you can leave here and if Jim should ask you next Sunday what did Ronnie talk about you can say he talked about sleeping and waking in church and it really did have to do with Pentecost Sunday because it's the work of the Spirit coming out of the birth of the church that allows such waking that we find is part of the mystery of the church. So first, think with me about sleeping in church. You know, the preacher sees you when you're sleeping, 
He knows when you're awake or she. Not necessarily when you've been bad or good, but be good for goodness sake. People sleep in church, and there are all kind of reasons for that. Medications, too much Saturday night, too long preaching. There's all kind of reasons, but it's humorous in a way to think about it. I was homesick a few Sundays ago with an ear infection. I don't watch much TV preaching. Maybe that says something. I'm out preaching, but also I can't find anything I'm really interested in. But I did find a service that I was interested in, and I was watching a little bit of it, and there it was, up in the choir, mouth wide open, (laughs) nose pointed to the sky, and he was out. And I smiled and thought, yeah, I understand. If I was going to have you Google in church this morning, please don't. I'd have you Google the Andy Griffith where Barney and Andy go to sleep because the preacher's boring. Maybe go home and Google that clip. And I don't want to be political, so I don't care what your politics are, but a funny clip of sleeping in church is when Bill Clinton is trying to stay awake when Martin Luther King Jr. is preaching at a special day for Martin Luther King. And poor old Bill starts trying to hide behind the preacher. Then he kind of nods like he's listening. Then he looks like he's in prayer. And then he's out. (laughs) Sleeping in church. When I went to my last church, I had a guy tell me, Preacher, I didn't like that interim pastor. He just, I didn't like him. And he said, so what I would do is I'd just go to sleep. I'd just go to sleep on him because I didn't like him. And I thought, well, that's strange. You know, about three months into my tenure there, I would look out there and guess what he was doing? He was asleep. So I thought, okay, I understand in some ways sleeping in church. I'll never forget a children's sermon. Our children's minister asked children seated all around her when I was in Madison, Alabama, why do we need to be quiet in church? And one of the children, engineer's child, by the way, very smart child, raised his hand and said, because people are sleeping in there. (laughs) This is a great Bible story, and you are supposed to smile a little bit in this story. If you know anything about Luke and his writing, you know that he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and this is a two-volume work where Acts is his second volume, And he uses a lot of literary devices that are similar in both books. One of them is humor and warmth. Luke loves relationships and smiles and loves people to love one another. He loves stories. And he uses phrases like, on the first day of the week. Which when you think about the Gospel of Luke and you think about the resurrection story, that's the phrase that he used for the most important event for the church, Jesus rose from the dead, awoke from his sleep. In this story, he uses some of his same literary devices. Paul gets into a little place called Troas. Paul is very passionate about teaching and preaching the gospel and about everything he did in his prior life when he was evil and now in his Christian life. That passion translates for good. But I suspect Paul could talk a while, if you know what I mean. 
And this story, Luke sort of gives you every hint that Paul sometimes would miss a few places to stop when he had a good sermon. He would continue to talk. And the lights came on in the sanctuary, he tells you. And they continued to preach. And the boy is sitting in the window, probably because it's warm, and he starts to fade and he goes to sleep. And Lord have mercy, he falls out of the window. Three stories. Now you say, well, preacher, that's not funny. No, but we know the ending already, so we can smile a little bit about the preacher going on and on. I read Frederick Beekner who I like, if you don't know Beekner, read some of his stuff. In Peculiar Treasures, he sort of sums up this little passage. He says, we've all heard this phrase, sermonettes make Christianettes. Have you ever heard that? Older people you have, which told us preachers, we're supposed to preach a long time or you're not getting enough preaching. And you'll be thankful I won't do that. But St. Paul believed that, Beekner says, and kept talking to midnight to make sure they all understood what he was saying and got the word. And then he thought of a few more things that he needed to say, so he went on a while longer, and he was so caught up in his own eloquence that he did not notice the boy snoring in the window. That is, until a woman screamed out, and the boy's feet went up, and he went out, really out, And everybody thought he was dead. And Paul asked his name. Eutychus, they said. The translation, Beekner tells us, for the name Eutychus is lucky. Now we know where Luke's going with the story. We don't know the language. Lucky fell out three stories during preaching. Everybody races downstairs. Paul says... No, he's not dead and falls on him, embraces him, and Lucky comes back awake. He was asleep in church and he raised to new life. And they took him back into the church. And one of my favorite parts of this story, and maybe I'm getting carried away, But I love it that Paul, even after the boy fell out of the window and nearly died, he wasn't through talking yet. If you read the passage, they go upstairs and Paul has some more things to tell them. And in the morning around breakfast, what do you think it was they talked about in church? They talked about how lucky that this boy was dead and awoke to new life. Well, that's what you're supposed to take from the story. Lucky, death, life, happening in church. It is what we do on the first day of the week is we rise from whatever state we're in, whatever has consumed us, and we come to this place to look for life. And people come in all sorts of conditions to church. There are some who come in mortal pain. There are some who come even resentfully. There are some who come just out of rote memory. There are some who come so hungry for something 
that they can taste it. But on the first day of the week, we gather to remember something. That the resurrection is the standard for what goes on in church. It is how the church began. It was when Jesus rose. It was the Pentecostal result of people continuing to gather because Jesus is still among us in his spirit. And it's on the first day that we remember that God wants to bring people to life who need to be shook up a bit, who feel like they may be dead or dying. They need to remember there's something wonderful about the resurrection power of God. I tried to sum up a testimony from 41 years of listening to people talk about something that happened to them in their spiritual life by coming to church. So this is it. It's no one. It could be a composite of a hundred people. This person was falling asleep to life. They were depressed, tired, looking for answers, angry at God a little bit and not seeing anything good in the current time going on in their life. They just couldn't get up and move forward. But on the first day of the week, they wandered back into church. Maybe it was because it was habit. Maybe a friend invited them. Maybe they really did want to believe that something could change. They weren't expecting much. They heard songs. They heard preaching. They heard prayers. They knew the liturgy in the church, and they really weren't expecting anything mysterious. But they were lucky. Something happened in church. Was it a prayer? Was it the preacher? Was it a neighbor? Was it the silence? Was it just that God could get them still long enough to bring them back to life? Something happened in church. And they woke from their slumber. And they saw things differently. Something. Someone. The one met them in a holy place, moved them from the throes of death, and back into life again. Now I ask you, is that boring? I mean to think that this morning, sitting here in Brookwood Baptist Church, there is someone, maybe many someones, who need something fresh and new back in their life. And they've stumbled in here to hear, is there a word for me that can wake me up again? I like being a part of that. Every first day of the week to gather and to know that as neighbor and friend and human being, I am gathered with people who have hurts and sorrows and trials and questions. And that there is a God who understands what it's like to be sleepy, even in church. But who will help you come back to life again. Let me close with this thought. 
woman went to church. She was a fairly new Christian. She went to Sunday school. In that Sunday school class in that town, there were a lot of scientists. And so you've been to Sunday school, most of you. Those lessons can go anywhere, can't they? So that Sunday, they were speaking on the resurrection, and the lesson moved from the resurrection narrative and what was the gospel application to the scientific proof. And scientists began saying, well, you know, we're not real sure that we can prove that there was a resurrection. And what are the, what are the scientific components that prove that? And, and this lady spoke up and said, well, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I do believe in the resurrection. I've seen it. I've experienced it. When my husband walked out on me and our kids, I could have died. In fact, I think I did die. I felt everything was over. But then, by the grace of God and the good fortune of having loving Christian friends and church, I came back to life. I came back to life, and I've been living ever since. I believe in the resurrection, she said, because I've lived it. Wasn't she lucky? Aren't we lucky? That no matter what condition we're in, no matter how we're feeling today, on the first day of the week, There's a place that we can come and encounter the one who has true power over life and death. And we can ask him to help us to overcome our sleepiness and be awake again to what he wants us to be. How many times have you heard the testimonies? I thought I couldn't overcome my addiction. I just knew When my spouse died, there was nothing in this life left for me. The grief almost overwhelmed me, but I was able to get through. If you're new in church, and I never know, especially as a guest, or maybe if you've just forgotten and you come in and out of church, this strange little Bible story, reminds us of resurrection and that it is the stated and regular business of the church to remember resurrection every first day of the week. And Paul would put it this way, we've been saved, there there is this coming of Christ into our life And as Baptist people, we we believe, you know, that happens and that's good for eternity. But he also taught that we're being saved. You remember that part of the Bible? Every day, even those of us who are Christians are being saved from stuff. Our anger, our jealousy, our greed... Forces outside of us that make us afraid or that we cannot control. Paul would say we're being saved by the power of God each day. And that one day we will be saved. One day all of that will be over. And we will be awake 
to life everlasting. Church, you are a fellowship of the resurrection, and that's not anything to sleep through. That is great stuff, and I would say we're pretty lucky. Let's bow together for prayer. On this Pentecost Sunday, O God, we thank you that your presence is in this room even now and saying to us, do not sleep or slumber. The Lord of Israel watches over you. You can awake and be alive to everything in this life that is good. We thank you that you have power over death and sin and evil. And we ask that you would help us Help us to be more alert to how to to enact that power into our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.